Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. And our response to God's word, one of our responses should be gratitude. So you should respond by saying, thanks be to God. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Plans are established by seeking advice. So, if you wage war, obtain guidance. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. This is the word of the Lord. Am I? Yes. Good morning. Sorry. Let me say it again. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Yes. And a special welcome to those, anyone worshiping with us for the first time, and those who are worshiping, either physically here or those watching um, uh, online. We are so happy to have you worship with us. My name is Femi Oshunui, and um, I wonder, we're about to go into the word of. God, should I just say, I'm, I'm happy we're, we're taking a break from, we've been doing a series through the book of Galatians, and we're taking a break from that to look at this mini-series, a four-part series that we've titled, Working and Thriving in Tough Times. So, we'd love us uh, to get into that, uh, but let's, let me, let's, let's, let's start, let's start with a prayer, okay? Let's start with the prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. It's your word. It's no man's word. It's no woman's word. It's your word. It's your gift to us to enable us to be able to live the lives you've called us to live, to enable us to um, go through this life uh, with wisdom uh, that comes from you. And so it's that wisdom we ask for now. It's that wisdom we ask that your Holy Spirit brings. It's that wisdom we ask for that reflects and moves us to be more like Christ. And so we pray for that wisdom now. Come, Holy Spirit, we need you. Come, sweet Spirit, we pray. Come in your strength and your power. Come in your own special way. We ask all this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 There's a friend of mine who 
Uh, a couple of years ago, she, 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 got, um, she was proposed to. Now, what happened was the person she was dating took out on a date. She was in, was in the U.S., took out on a date. So, you know, she came back and she was gisting me about the, the thing. She said, oh, Femi, it was so good. It was so good. I said, tell me about this. Ah, he took me to this restaurant. It was so beautiful. I can't remember. I think it was a Spanish restaurant. The whole thing was set so nicely. And, you know, they brought the menu. I ordered food and all of that. And then, you know, he just somehow brought the ring, blah, blah. I said, how was the food? She said, it was horrible. I said, what did you tell him? He said, I told him, it is so nice. <laughs> of course, she couldn't tell him exactly what she thought about it. I don't know if you've ever been told. You've ever been given uh, some food to eat, and they told you that the food was really, really good. And you had to be like, eh. Or someone told you, you need to listen to this song. This is one of the greatest songs ever. And you listen to it, and you be like, that one happens to be all the time with my wife. My wife, I keep sending her all the greatest songs that she just doesn't appreciate. You know, and I felt something like that in one of our gospel communities. Uh, we're looking at, it was the first one in the curriculum we're, we're currently still looking at called the Gospel Centered Work. And it was painting the picture of work is a good thing. You know, it looked at, it said God worked. In Galatia, in Genesis 2 verse 3, when God created, it said God worked. Now we are created in God's image. And so we work. And so work is an inherent good. And so work is this, work is that. So people were just keeping quiet, like, I, I, I know you're telling me it's meant to be, but work is not like that. Though. Work feels more like being under a curse. And many of us in Lagos will say that. Like, that is exactly how it is. Now, we see in Genesis 3.19, I think, 3.17, that work was under, it has been placed under, the, the environment for work has been placed under a curse. But notice the environment is not the work itself. Work is still inherently good. It's just that the environment makes it tougher. Now you then say, what, has God, what is God going to do about that? Because this whole thing, you know, is this curse going to be here? Is this how life is going to be? Well, if you follow, if you go to the end of the Bible, it actually says the curse was lifted. And so in all eternity, we will continue to work. But now the curse is no longer there. Work will be something, always something of joy. Amen? Amen. Now, but somebody is going to say, one clever person is going to say, I, we are not at the very beginning. Neither are we at the end. We are in that middle. So what then do we do? Thankfully, what God then does is God speaks. He reveals his will to his uh, people through what we call the Bible. And part of that Bible, because the Bible has different kinds of books and they're not all written the same way, part of the Bible has this book called the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs has what we call wisdom statements, right? Wisdom statements, principles on how to live, and part of how we live is how we work, how to work in between when God created the world and when God recreates the world. Are we together? So it gives us principles on how to live in this difficult world, how to live in this difficult Lagos terrain. Now, notice what I said. I said it gives us principles. I did not say it gives us promises. There's a difference between principles and promises. Here's the principle. If you are formally educated, 
to the tertiary level, it will help you escape poverty. Is that true or false? It's true-ish. Because imagine you get trained for something, you finish with a third class, right? The economy is tanking, right? And then there is an oversupply of that your job role while there's little demand. Um, what are, do you think you're going to get rich on that job? No. But notice, all things were not equal. A principle is something that works with all things being equal. Whereas a promise is, with this body, I wed you. You understand what I'm saying? Right? Once you pronounce that I'm going to give my, all my uh, wealthy, uh, earthly um, possessions and goods and all of those things, you are making a promise so you become man and wife. So in the Bible, for instance, train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not what? Depart from it. If that were a promise, some of you would not be here trying to listen to me today. Right? You are not, you, you've not gone in the way you should go, like Dami, for instance, right? With that hair of yours. Your parents never trained you to have that hair. Do you understand? That is a principle. But not always, all things aren't always equal. But Peter, preaching on the day of Pentecost, said, you will receive the Holy Spirit if you repent. Now then, ask question, is that a principle? No, Peter says in verse 39, this word, promise, is given to you and your children. Are you following? So what we are going to do is that we are going to learn from the book of Proverbs and other wisdom um, uh, 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 sayings in the, in the Bible to enable us Right in general, is to give us principles in general that will enable us to thrive and flourish even in very difficult times. And my prayer is that as we go through the four different uh, topics, that you will not only be the kind of person who is able to continue uh, to work, but that you will work and thrive, that you will distinguish yourself in this very tough terrain. Praise the name of the Lord. All right, so we're going to look at this sermon now. We're, today we're talking about vision and planning. Next week we're going to talk about hard work and diligence, the week after social emotional intelligence, and then the week after self-discipline and personal development. So today we're looking at vision and planning, and I, as I said, I pray whether we are homemakers, whether we are um, uh, employees, business owners, NGO workers, ministry people, civil servants, what, whatever, hopefully these principles will enable us to thrive. All right, so let's look at vision and planning under three headings. When we see, when we plan, when he sees and plans. When we see, when we plan, when he sees and plans. Now, work, uh, first of all, uh, when we see. Um, working in Lagos sometimes, and maybe in some other places that we're watching from, you know, the, just the difficulty, right? The, the sun is one first big problem. Uh, hallelujah. Right? Right? You told of us to rather like, God, can you not just help us reduce the sun? The way we would say, you know, increase, the, uh, reduce the temperature of the AC. Like, God, this sun, there's sun, there's traffic, and then there are Lagos people. Just put all those three together. And so many times what happens is that in our place of work, in our business, one of the things that goes, that is taken away, 
in very tough, in a very tough terrain and tough environment to work. You know what it is? Motivation. And when there is no motivation, there is no motion. What do I mean by no motion? You know what motion is? How many of us have woken up one morning and the alarm woke us up and it's like to go to work and you be like, oh my God. You just put like another extra five, 10 minutes. How many of us? Right? Let me see any of the city church staff with their hand up. Let me just, just, just. Sometimes the thing is, it's not even physical, it's just mental. You are now at work and emotionally you are not there. Right? Or mentally, you are not there. So it's not just that you don't feel like getting out of bed, it's you don't feel like putting the extra effort. You don't feel like doing yet another research. Right? The thing that you are submitting, you think, ah, this thing may work or it may not work. Maybe I should do more research. You just do, and then you submit it. You don't feel like smiling at the customer again because there's nothing to smile about. What is happening is that we are lacking motion. Now, what is the reason? You say lack of motivation. Yeah, but what is the reason behind that? Why are we not moving? Why don't we feel a sense of mobility in all of these different areas? Well, if you, um, uh, Faith read uh, Habakkuk for us. Now, Habakkuk was a prophet. And uh, when we think about prophets, we think that prophets hear and they speak. But actually, prophets, uh, if you read 1 Samuel 9, verse 9, Prophets not only hear and speak, prophets sometimes they see and they speak. All right? They are either called seers or prophets. Now, Habakkuk is hearing, he's complaining to God about certain things, the condition of the, uh, uh, the Jewish nation. He's complaining to God. And so he, there was a set of complaints he put forward, then he heard from God. Then he put a second set of complaints. And towards the end, he said, I will wait, I will stand on my water, I will look to see what he will say to me. I say, look to see what he will say. Right? Don't forget, he sees. So what he's waiting for is for God to speak back, but God is going to say something. He's going to paint um, uh, a picture with the words. That's why he's saying, I will look to see. God is going to paint a picture with the words of, uh, to, to respond to him. And so when God is about to respond in what faith read for us, this is what he says. He said, write down the revelation. In some translations, is write down the vision and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation waits for an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come. It will not delay. What do you notice there? There is a revelation. There is a vision that God is saying is not going to happen now. It's going to happen at an appointed time. It's not now. It's going to happen at an appointed time. But if someone, if you write it down and anybody engages with it, you know what they're going to do? They're going to run with it. Why are they going to run? It's not for the appointed time. It is in a time in the future. If you think about it in the times fair, you see that if something is not happening now, it's happening at another time. In other words, there is a destination. Amen. There is a destination. It's not happening now. It's happening then. There is a destination to go to. So the vision is setting forth a destination. Now, if you are at a place and you are not at the destination, what do you require to get to that destination? Motion. That is why he says, so that the herald, when he engages with it, what does the herald do? He runs. He moves. Can I suggest that 
part of the reason that we are stuck, that we are stagnant, because tough times often, they don't reveal tough times. Tough times often reveal something in us. If I ask somebody, what is, if I ask some of us, what's the problem? Why are you not moving? Why are things that you say? It's because the environment, the economy, all of those things are tough. No, that's not uh, any kind of revelation. We all can see that the economy is tough. But actually, it is there to show that maybe you have stagnated in your vision. And so you're not moving. How many of you have ever done something like this? You get in your car. And when you get to your car, you... Uh, um, as you're driving it, you approach a pothole or a speed bump. You know speed bump? Okay, you know gallop. Uh -huh. You approach a, a gallop. So when you now see the gallop or the pothole, you now be like, ah, gallop, pothole. All right, so you park. Because you're like, if I, if, I, if, I, if I move forward, I will enter into it. And so how many of us have ever parked there? I want to see the insane of us here. No, 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 that's right. But many times, you know, that's how we are living. What is happening is that we build our, our view and our idea of work is built around the obstacles and the hindrances that we have, not the destination that we are going to. Most times, what happens when we see, a, every time, when we see a pothole or a bump, what do we do? We say, I have to go through this because I'm going somewhere. Maybe you slow down. If you are like, yeah, me, you just go. Just enter it and just keep going because he has a Jeep. But most of us that don't have Jeep, right? You kind of slow down, you enter, you don't build your life around the obstacle or a hindrance. Never do that. You build your vision or you build your life of your work around, uh, not around obstacles and hindrances, but around opportunities and possibilities. That is how you keep going. That is how you keep moving. It says the herald ran with it. You see, when there is a destination, because you have a vision, when there is a destination, it induces motion because now you know we have a journey to take. It is always a journey that brings about motion, but you will not have that journey without what? A vision. So what vision do you have for your work? Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to belittle some of the conditions that we're in. I'm not trying to belittle some of the experiences that you had. But what I am trying to say is that you can acknowledge the difficulty whilst you keep moving towards the destination. When we come to the pothole, we acknowledge that it is there, but that doesn't stop us from moving towards our destination. Amen? So somebody would then ask, okay, how do I get a vision? I'm glad you asked. It usually requires two things, but it's really focused on how we, um, how we see. You see, many times, what, how, what is, how do we see something? What do we see, like, like now I'm seeing many different colors. No, you'll be mistaken to say that what I'm seeing is just based on what is in front of me. Because for instance, if I am colorblind, I will not see all the colors that are here, amen? In other words, the thing that I'm able to see is not only dependent on what is in front of me, it's dependent on the, the nature of my own eyes as well. Amen. It, that is, it is not just the function of what is outside, but the function of something that is on the inside. You cannot, when you are trying to construct a vision, it is not just what you see, it is how you see. When you're trying to construct a vision, you cannot just ask, where am I going? You have to ask, who am I? 
And that's why a vision always, it's always, it should be, um, um, it should consist of two things, a core values and an imagined future. Core values and an imagined future. Core values. Um, maybe I explain core values with this. Let's show, bring up that picture. How many of us know this? This. How many of us born to this? Huh? Right? We are not in a club. We are in a church. Right? No bottles of... Um, okay, let's... And it's not your birthday anyway. Uh, this is one of the one of the greatest selling rap albums of all time. All right, some of you born to this. Some I noticed in first service, some of our music people they are born to this, but right now they are sanctified. They no longer. It's not. It's not that spirit that is moving them. It's the spirit of God. We thank God for that. Praise the name of the Lord. Somebody. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now notice the name of the album. Get rich or die, trying. Right now. That is a value statement. It expresses a value statement. Now, I admire him all. <laughs> I admire that because if you know what the guy is worth now, that thing worked for him all. Not just the, first of all, this guy was a hustler. This guy sold mixtapes. When, when, when record companies were, were not taking it, he sold mixtapes. He, he they were doing it from the boot of a car, just giving it to people. That's how he got his first record. Label eventually, Dr. Dre and all of that, and then I don't know what he sold something. Shah sold something. Got into, eh? Bitcoin. Not Bitcoin before that one. <laughs> Everybody is saying Bitcoin. Please, if you have Bitcoin uh, in this church, we also accept donations of Bitcoin. Uh, just saying. No. Well, no, but can we get back to what we are talking about? <laughs> now, with this, I said the value statement. Do you know why it's a value statement? Now, even though it has worked for him. I actually don't believe any Christian should ever put that on your, as a motto. You know why? Because when he says, get rich or die trying, he's basically saying, getting rich is worth dying for. That is a value statement. Now, as a Christian, why you cannot subscribe to that and incorporate that into your vision is because you are meant to live by what Jesus says in Luke 12, Verse 15, which is life does not consist in the abundance of what a man possesses. In other words, before you construct a vision, why you have to have values is that values keep you in check. They keep you guided. Somebody say be guided. guided. They keep you guided. They make you know, here's something I can subscribe to. Here's another thing I can't subscribe to. It's not that they stop you from having a future. It is that they guide you into the right future. Values are things that hold on to you, not things that you hold on to. Often they are given to us maybe by families, by society. But as a Christian, you get your values from the word of God. Don't start envisioning a future without understanding who you are according to God's word. Amen. Don't tell me that I'm growing. I have this future. I have this future. Are you growing in the Bible, in your biblical knowledge? Because it's not that you will not be able to achieve things. You may achieve great things. The question is this. What you have achieved, is, was it achieved in a way that is pleasing to the Lord? Because please, being pleasing to the Lord should be your ultimate core value, personally. So first thing is that values keep you in check. But the second thing about values is that values keep you going. What do I mean by they keep you going? Because it's all about motion. You see, values are what we call ideals. And ideals, by their very nature, cannot be perfected. They are, you, can't, you can't perfect the ideal, right? 
But at the same time, they are also always threatened. So because they are always threatened and they can't be perfected, you are always trying to ensure that you are reaching more and more towards your ideal. In other words, it keeps you busy. It keeps you going. What do I mean? Let me give you three examples of, of certain value statements. So for instance, let's say in your business, you say customer respect is one of our values. Customer respect. Now, it will be threatened, though. It can be challenged by a very rude customer. You know, have you ever, uh, 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 have you ever seen a very rude teacher, a very rude parent in, in schools? Eh? I'm sure they never exist. So it can be threatened by a very rude customer where you just be looking and say, if I wasn't a Christian, this is what I would have said. You are an idiot. But I, I'm a Christian. So I won't say it, even though you are. So it's not just threatened by a very rude customer. It's also threatened by an impatient colleague who can't keep their tongue. So in other words, what do you do to keep that customer respect? You have to continue to facilitate regular training to help people to, be, to help your colleagues to be able to keep it. Do you understand? It keeps you going. The ideal keeps you going. Here's another one. Unflinching integrity is at the core of what we value in this organization. Ah. Unflinching integrity can be threatened by something called a life-changing contract. Life-changing. No, not what I say. Life, I said life-changing. I'm not saying life-helping. Let me define a life-changing contract to you. A contract that when they say something million, then the word that comes after that million does not start with an N. It starts with a D. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. eh? You're getting it. Who wants to receive that? Say 10 million. Ah, 10 million is not bad. 10 million, 10 million helps your life. 10 million naira helps your life. 10 million dollars. Ah. It's $10 million, $20 million. At that point, you are not thinking about you. <laughs> you are not even thinking about your children. It's your children's children. And the Bible itself, principle, it says, a good man leaves what? An inheritance to what? And is So you now say, God, wait. And they said, for you to get that contract, all you just need to do is to help somebody clean their mouth. It's just to help facilitate. Do you know what I mean by that? Eh? There are some things that ain't moving. But if you just help us move it, then that $10 million, $20 million will come to you. And so you are thinking about your children's children and your children's children's children. And then you say, what is even this word integrity? What does it mean? <laughs> let's, let's see. This, the, but the definitions are unclear. <laughs> so either you do that or either you say, because of my core values, I will not do that. I will work three times harder to get this sort of contract again without, without compromising my integrity. Do you see? Your value keeps you going. But if those two don't actually make a lot of sense, I know another one that will make sense. Imagine you have this value, and the value says, uh, love Lagos. <laughs> now, love Lagos is going to be challenged by Traffic is going to be challenged by, let's say, you're, you're, you're a group of people that hold to that. It will be challenged by traffic. It will be challenged by um, a weakened economy. And it will be challenged by complaining congregants. <laughs> I want to move to Canada. You are going nowhere. <laughs> we are going to love Lagos together. 
In case you are, what, you are coming for the first time, our three values are to love Jesus, love people, and love Lego. All of us signed up to it. All the members, everybody. We do. Now, I agree that it can be challenging. So how do you keep moving? You have to keep reminding yourself that that love there is not, the love, is not loving the lovable. It is the gospel love that loves the unlovable to make them lovable. So when we do this, when we hold our core values, our core values not only keep us in check, they keep us what? Moving. But don't forget, this, a vision is not just for the core values. It's not just made up of core values. It also is made up of an imagined future. An imagined future. What do you see? Where are you going? What kind of thing have you dreamt about? Remember, I said that a lack of vision, once we don't have it, we don't see anything for our work, and so we park at a pothole. Now, in the best, and the, the organizations that have lasted the longest and continue to flourish, almost all of them have this thing, and it is usually broken down into two. It is made up, that's your imagined future, it's made up of an unattainable purpose and some audacious goals. Unattainable purpose and some audacious goals. The unattainable purpose, are the reason you exist, but notice, I said they are unattainable. The first is like shooting for the stars. You will never get it. But the mere fact that you continue to do it means that you keep moving in a certain direction. The second is like climbing Mount Everest. You can get it, but it is going to take a long time to be able to make it. Amen. So take the first one now. Or the, uh, the, uh, the unattainable, unattainable uh, purpose, right? It is aiming for something that you will never reach, but you need to continue to move towards so that you can be changing. So, for instance, the Bible says, if you want to say, how do I develop as a human being morally? The Bible says, be perfect as your heavenly father is what? Can you be as perfect as your heavenly father? But if you don't use your heavenly father's perfection as an aim and a guide towards moving, you will not be growing in perfection. Are we together? And so you need something that makes you wake up at night and wake up every day despite the obstacles, despite all of those things. You need to have a purpose for, to say, this is why we exist. It may not be achievable, it may not be attainable, but it keeps you moving. So let's take the healthcare sector in Lagos. If you say something like this, I have this purpose, our organization has this purpose of making healthcare in Lagos the best and most affordable in Africa. The best and most affordable in Africa. Not just the best, but the most affordable. Do you think that's achievable in our lifetime? Probably not. But that is something that can drive someone to keep going over and over. They never just say, oh, I've established one hospital, I'm okay. No. They want to do more. They want to do more to ensure that this thing works. Now, how that then fits into something like that is an audacious goal. They can then say, for us to do that, we want to make private, uh, public and private partnerships the norm in Lagos. Because they've seen that if they try to achieve this, um, the purpose, if they try to do it with the public, uh, uh, the public sector, you say, ah, it's just going to be inefficient, it's not going to be run well, all of those kinds of things. But if they try and do it private, they're going to say, we may get the quality, but we'll never get the affordability. So what they've said is, we want to be able to do this to make it the norm. Is that achievable? Yes, maybe in 25 to 30 years. Is that achievable? No, most of our lifetime, yes. If your name is not Yemi, right? Uh, Yemi, no, that wasn't it. it will, you will see it in your lifetime. Yeah? 
Yeah, yeah you see it. You probably see it in your lifetime. <laughs> but the audition, the unattainable purpose and audacious goals, they keep us moving in tough times. Because let's not forget, guys, don't if the vision refuses to build your life around hindrances and obstacles, but it enables you to build your life around possibilities and opportunities. So do yourself a favor. What vision do you have for you, yourself, as an employee, as a worker, as a business owner? What vision do you have for your career, for your team, for your organization? And if you are leading it, you have to continue, not just you moving, you have to make the people that are under you to keep moving by continuing to cast the vision for them. Amen. Because this will distinguish you from just every other person. Second point. Why, when we plan. Lagos, they say, is our main idol. Our main thing is, our main idol is progress. Progress. Everybody in Lagos wants to progress from where they are. That's why a lot of people move. And because of that, we have a lot of dreamers. People dream a lot, right? People have dreams. Ah, if, when I open this business, they go here and when, when, I, when I open this ministry, you see, when I, you know, when I reach this, when I go to this place, when I get my master's, when I, people dream in Lagos, right? They dream, 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 dream. Can I ask you a question? We're all very smart. Who, what, what do you define as somebody who dreams but never wakes up? A dead person. Uh, they never wake up. You, you are not getting it. If somebody is ever dreaming but never wakes up, you know what they, that's why the Bible says some who are falling asleep. Do I need to wake you guys up? Is it too hard? If you're ever dreaming but you never wake up, it is that you are dead. And that's why the problem is there are so many people who are dreamers, they never wake up, and that's why their vision is also dead. Because they desire so much, they desire so much, and all they have is desires and nothing else. All they have is desires and nothing else, which is why the psalmist in Psalm 20 verse 4 ties desires to something else. Notice what he says. He says, may he give you the desire of your heart, that's true, and make all your plans what? Succeed. It ties the vision to what? A plan. It ties our desires to a plan. If a vision induces the need for motion by establishing a journey, a plan makes the journey possible by giving you the road to that destination. Maybe I can explain this way. Where is a Nanke, can you come please? Quickly. Nanke, stay there, please. Good. Now, this is Oje Dale, right? Oje. Nanke is Oje's destination. Please don't read any meaning into this. I'm not, yes, they're both single, but that doesn't mean, I'm not trying to make any prophetic statement. Your destination is Nanke. Amen. Amen. Right? Does he have Nanke now? He's away, right? So, but he's envisioning Nanke. And so OJ goes around always telling everybody about one day Nanke, one day Nanke, one day Nanke, one day, ah, Nanke, ah, Nanke, 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 Nanke. And after you see OJ three years from now, do you know where OJ is standing? Three years from now, do you know where he's standing? He's standing here. He's telling you about Nanke. He has not moved. Do you understand? This is somebody with a dream and a vision. 
What does he need? He needs to move. But for him to move, he needs a road to set that road and that pavement. Once he sets that road and that pavement, walk now, walk now, walk now, walk now. Go, 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 go. What does he have? He has Nanke. Don't hold, don't, 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 don't. Thank you very much. Do you understand what just happened? He needed a road, even though a vision tells you that you need to make a journey, without the road to, uh, the road to enable that journey, you will not get the vision. That is what a plan is to a vision. A plan is the first step of motion towards that destination. A plan is the roadmap that enables you to move from your current place to the place that you have envisioned. So some of us sometimes we say something like this. You have a, a I, I, I like to give some people books and, and, and tell them, oh yeah, give it back to me uh, in a couple of weeks. So, and some of you that have my books, please return my book. Oh, because I have, many times I look for, please, if you have my book, and if you are watching, return my book. But, Imagine I give you a 238 page book, 238 pages, and it's 14 chapters. And then five weeks after, I say, how far with the book? Ah, I've started, usually what they tell me is, I've started. I say, eh, what have you, you say, I've started, what, where are you? I, you know, I've been going through, you're you are still on the introduction, Abby. They say, yeah, yeah, I am, I am. why now? I say, ah, Pastor D, things have been happening. Things, things, so many different things. I'm like, which things have been happening? And I know what has been happening because every time I open Instagram, they just see that you are liking, liking. Every post there, I see Nanke likes this one. Like, I'm not saying, you, you don't have my book, I know, right? <laughs> so is that what has been happening? Then later I now say, but Pastor, in fact, that book is so big. Ah, 238 pages. Couldn't you give me one that is small? That's why it's, I will finish it. I will finish it. But just give me some time. To which I would then say, do you know that if you read 17 pages every day. You will have finished that book in two weeks. 17 pages. How long will it take for you to read 17 pages? Well, if you read each page at three and a half minutes, you will just need one hour every day. So if you just said 8 to 9 p.m., I dedicate to this book. 8 to 9 p.m., I dedicate to this book. In two weeks, you will have returned it to me. So what was the problem? The problem is that you had a destination in mind, finish the book, but you had no plan to finishing that book. Are you understanding me? That's why in Proverbs 21, verse 20, he says that the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp their own, their own down. He says that there are some people, they have an abundance of food, right? But what do they do? They take some, they take some, but they don't finish everything. They take some, they don't finish everything. You see another one, it's just gulping, just gulping, just gulping. I'm like, why are you just gulping it? He said, ah, food is here, what should I do? I should not gulp it. In other words, why, you will not go and meet the other one. Why are you gulping it? He said, oh, no, I'm only eating 10 percent of it because I've realized that I can store uh, another 30 percent because there may be a recession, another 30 percent I'm going to sell, another 30 uh, another, uh, 30 percent I'm going to give away. One is living with intentionality because they have a plan for it. The other one is just gulping their future away. Please stop gulping your future away without having a plan. You can't just tell me you have a destination, you have a destination and, and a vision. It's like somebody that says, I want to set up an NGO to feed, uh, to, kill, to, 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 to cause... Um, an NGO to combat the problem of hunger in Lagos. And so you keep telling people, I want to combat, I want to combat, ah, hunger in Lagos, give me statistics. Hunger in Lagos is really bad. Then you come into my house. Then you now say, ah, now wow, you see this part of the problem. See how your children are wasting food. You are trying to guilt me about the hunger in Lagos as though guilting me is going to bring up your NGO or the organization. Show me a plan. Where is the plan for your NGO? Where is your business plan? 
Some people say, I want to develop. I want to be this kind of person. Where's your personal development plan? Stop gulping your future away. You can't just have a destination without having a plan. You can't just have a destination without having a road. Proverbs says that you'll be living like a foolish person. And you say, I don't know how to have a plan. To which I want to say, um, have you heard of this word, Google? If you put in Google how to do a business plan, you have an abundance of templates there. Or go and meet somebody that there are people that have done business plan before. Do you know? Open a document. Some of you, open a document today. Write on it, business plan, then press save, and you have started. And you continue the next day. I'm very serious about this. He said that the journey of a thousand miles begins with what? So I'm not going to talk about how you do a plan today because you can find it. I want to tell you about, I want to talk a little bit about the person that says, I have a plan, but it's not working. And I want to tell you three reasons why it's not working. Three reasons why it's not working. Three reasons on the surface, but there's one major reason at the bottom. Three reasons not working is you have a bad plan, you have an outdated plan, or you have a scheming plan. But at the root of it is what Proverbs 20:18 tells us, is that you plan alone. You need guidance. Somebody say, be guided. Yeah. You see what it says? It says, no, that's not. <laughs> Plans are established by seeking advice. So if you wage war, obtain what? Guidance. You need advice. So let me explain. Bad plans. You set up a plan. Say, oh, Pastor Femi has guilted me into setting up a plan. I've done the plan. All right. Now you want to live by the plan. Here's the problem, though. You've convinced yourself this plan is a fantastic plan. No one has ever seen it. And why is it that no one has ever seen it? Because, you know, you're the kind of person that is in church. You don't talk much. You know, because the Bible says that some people, you know, everyone seems wise when they close their mouth until you open up your mouth. So you don't want people to know that you are not as smart as you think. Because you're like, ah, that, that guy, you know, he doesn't say much. He just, you know, there's something mysterious. And you like that feeling of mysteriousness, right? <laughs> but now that you've written something out there, you have exposed yourself because the plan is saying something about you. And so you don't want to give it to other people because that makes you vulnerable and that makes you, you know, ah, with my grammar, we didn't think that my grammar works. We didn't think that my, you know, my ability to calculate, all of those things. I get why that is scary. I get it. Can I tell you this? Get over yourself. Because I want to ask you, is your main goal to maintain a reputation a perceived reputation, or to attain to a destination through your work. What is your goal? Because if you are really serious about that, you will give that thing to somebody else. Because the way you are going about this by doing your own thing and not bringing somebody else, let me tell you, in terms of talking about plans and strategy, that is, lack of guidance, is an excellent strategy for failure. Excellent. Proverbs 11 verse 14 says, For lack of guidance, a nation falls. But victory is won through many advisors. So, you have a plan for your team. You've been promoted now, you are leading a team. You have a plan for that team. What should you do? Let others who have successfully led or grown a team, let them speak into your plans. You have a personal, a plan for personal development. Good. 
Now, engage a wiser, more mature person to help you critique it and give you tips. Am I speaking to someone? Now, it could be that it's not just that you have a bad plan. It could be that you have an outdated plan. What do I mean? You see, a tough terrain means that many times, especially somewhere like here, Lagos, where if you were a local champion in your village, here, every local champion is just, you are just a normal person here. Many times, what cut, what, the plans that worked out three years ago, they won't cut it now. Are you following me? They just won't cut it now. Things are moving too quickly, too fast. Now, one of the things, if you've ever done anything, if you've ever established anything and it worked for a while, do you know as much as that's a blessing, it's a, it's a curse in disguise? You know why? Because once you've done it that way, you never want to do it again. You don't want to go through the process. And so when it stops working, you start blaming every other person or you start blaming the surroundings. I know a couple of pastors who, like everybody else, when the pandemic hit, everybody was, most people were using a particular phrase. Man, I can't wait till we get back to normal. I can't wait, whoever used that, don't worry, I'm not outing you. I can't wait till we get back to normal. Because you are so used to how we used to do things that way. What you failed to realize was, this was the new normal. And so many times, what we need, our plans are outdated, so what we need is what? Our plans need to be adaptable. But the way your plans are going to be adaptable, at least effectively adaptable, it requires you taking them to people who are wiser than you. Proverbs 15 verse 22 says, plans fail for what? A lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they would succeed. Advisors, listen, are not, advisors aren't partners. By that I mean a partner in a firm is a co-decision maker. A part, a, a, a advisors aren't. They are there, if you choose the right ones, to be tremendous guides. No, they will not take the decision for you. But let me tell you this, if you've chosen, and this is where choosing the right advisors matters. Don't be like Rehoboam, right? He had older advisors that told him what to do. When he was ruling, he went to listen to his young friends, and that taught the kingdom. So choose your advisors wisely. Now, when you've chosen them, people of repute, people of integrity, people, of, people that have a track record, when you've chosen them, please don't use them as people that you just feel you want them to tell you what you want to hear. So many people are like that. You, you start, in fact, you throw away the advisors because they're not telling you what you want to hear. So when they tell you what you need to hear, be humble. Adjust. Because many times they anticipate things that you are not able to anticipate. They see opportunities that you have not seen. And so when they bring you that advice, what should you then do? Adapt your plans. Amen? And the final thing is that we may have scheming plans. Scheming plans. What do I mean by that? James, the Apostle James, in James 3, 13, 15 to 16, says something like this. Listen to what he says. Now listen to who, who, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. Such boasting is evil. You know what he said? He said in verse 13, you are making a plan. But a plan becomes an arrogant scheme when it doesn't require or when it places when it places your ability to plan above the need for God's blessing. Don't forget, when Proverbs is giving you all these Proverbs, it, Proverbs starts with this. The fear of the Lord is what? 
So Proverbs does not envisage any kind of wisdom that does not include God in the overall picture. It's not that you may not achieve certain things. Yes, but ultimately before God, you are still a fool. Many of us sometimes get, we are natural planners. We are very good organizers. And so when we plan things, we just say, you know what? So we start saying stuff like, we don't need, we are praying too much. We are doing this thing. We don't need, God has already given us brains. We don't have to start being super religious by bringing God into everything. What? This is what Proverbs 16 verse 3 says. It says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will what? Establish your plans. First of all, you are trying to make those plans. You don't want to take up an arrogant disposition that places your abilities above the plan of God, uh, above God's blessing. But you are also saying this, while I need other humans' intervention, I also need a divine intervention as well. You are saying that I'm not just somebody going around with arrogant schemes. I am fully aware that everything I've received it has come from God, and God is also in the picture. God is not the one who created and left his creation. He's constantly intervening. So if you've planned, well, very good. If you've written a fantastic document with hyperlinks inside, with all the organization, with all the references, all of those things, after you finish, carry it to the Lord. And say, God, pour out your blessing upon this. In our academy where we train church planters, when we do fundraising, here's what I always tell them. Yes, there are tips and there are many different things about, there are certain principles about fundraising, but I always tell them the number one fundraising strategy is what? Is prayer. So before you start fundraising, pray. Then when we give you this tip, then we come back to pray. Then after you've done this other tip, then you come back to what? Pray. Pray, pray, plan, pray, plan, plan, pray, pray, plan. Do you understand what I'm saying? Pray without what? Ceasing. After all, you are trying to do your work in God's world. He is the one that establishes the steps. This is in verse 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord what? Establishes their plans. Guys, if you go through this process of vision and planning, because you are in a tough terrain, there are so many HR departments and recruiters, they are receiving tens of thousands of of, 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 uh, of uh, CVs and resumes. What is going to make you stand out above the crowd? Follow this pattern of wisdom. Amen? And it will distinguish you. It will move you closer and closer towards that destination. I pray that the Lord, through the wisdom that he has given, will distinguish every single one of us and establish our plans. Amen. But finally, when he sees and plans, now, some of us, the purest Christians among us, will be saying something like this. Why are you bringing all this secular business stuff into church? Or maybe the skeptics among us will say, so what makes your Christianity unique from a motivational speaker talking about vision and planning? First of all, I would say something like this. If you are looking for a motivational speaker, you came to the wrong place because I'm not half as good as some other people that are out there. But for those also who are asking, eh, this sounds like, oh business stuff and all that. Let me just tell you why we are doing this. I'll just tell you straight up. The reason why we're talking about vision planning, one answer, God. God. Because vision and planning is at the core of the Christian faith. It's at the core of the character of who God is. How? When God created the world, 
God said, here is how the world is going to function properly. He told the first humans he created. And what did they do? Eventually, they decided to try to do it their own way, haven't yielded to Satan's temptation. What did this do? What was the result? It brought separation and alienation from God. And as a result of that separation and alienation from God, sin was introduced to the world. As a result of sin being introduced to the world, suffering was introduced to the world. Social disharmony was introduced to the world. Personal immorality was introduced to the world. And the evidence that those things were not right is that sickness now came in. Not just sickness came in, untold suffering came in. Not just untold suffering came in. It ultimately led to the world dying. Not the reason that God created this world. And so you have a mess. You have a problem in front of you. He had a problem in front of us. Now one thing God could have done was to say, give it to them to actually solve their problem. They got themselves into this mess, let them get themselves out of that problem. But God knew that we were not the answer to our problems. God knew that if he did not intervene, that we will remain in the mess that we, were going to, that we had already found ourselves in. So God decided, he said, I have a dream. Actually, no, Martin Luther King said, Junior said, I had a dream. But Martin Luther King Junior said, I see a big problem. I see the segregation in the United States of America. I see how Sunday morning is the most segregated time in, in America. I see blacks here. I see whites here. I see color fountains. And I see, I see black fountains. And what is this? This is a problem. So what? I have a dream. I have a dream that one day the son of slave owners and the son of, 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 of slaves will be able to sit down together on the table of brotherhood. And because he had a dream, they started to carve out legislation. Where do you think he got that from? He was reflecting a God who saw the mess that human beings had created. And God has said, or said, I'm just imagining, God said, I have a vision. And what is that vision? I have a vision not for people suffering, not for people sinning, not for people killing each other, not for people dying, but I have a vision for people being healthy, for people living in harmony, for people living together. I have a vision. Not for a world where there is disharmony, not for a world where there are natural disasters, not for a world where there's diseases, not for a world where people are killing each other. I have a vision. What for what? For a world that is ever flourishing, a world that is without curse, a world where people can live out their best dream. I have a dream. I have a vision. Not for being separated from the people that I created, but forever living with them in this new world that was created. Do you understand that God is the ultimate visionary? And you may think, is this attainable? Well, if it was left to us, yes, it's unattainable. But it was attainable because God was the one in charge of it. And how do we know it was attainable? God set up a plan. Acts 2 verse 23. God himself came down. This is what he said. This man, because God came in as a man, this man was handed over to you by what? Say it together. By what? What did that plan involve? It involved... That man being put to death, nailed on the cross. And then it says after, God raised him from the dead. God is the ultimate visionary and God is the ultimate planner. When God was going to solve the problem of this world, God saw a vision and God then eventually put up a plan. That is why, even though he starts with the old creation, God, uh, John can say, when he saw a vision, behold, I see a new heaven and a new earth. When you look at the, 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 the decay that the world is going into, the Apostle Paul said, all of creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. When you look at our alienation, 
ushered from God, the apostle John again said, Behold, I saw that the dwelling place of God is now with men. God sees and God plans. If you want to reflect God, be a seer, be a one that has a vision and also be a planner. Am I talking to somebody? How do you respond? How do you get yourself into the vision and plan of God? Repent and believe. Respond, repent and believe. Listen, living for your own plan eventually gets you eternally nowhere. Actually, gets you somewhere and it's not a very good place. But when you fit yourself into God's vision and God's plan, oh, what a wonderful song you will sing on that final day. But then finally somebody saying, yeah, but I have repented and I have believed. But then what good is it when my plans aren't working? Listen, when you repent and believe, God brings you into his own journey. It's not a bomb-free journey, but it's a journey with a guaranteed destination. How do I know that? When last did you read this 23rd Psalm? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But notice, he starts with the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. How does he end? He ends with a place that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He starts somewhere and he's bringing us somewhere, but it's not a bomb-free ride. That is why he says, he leads us beside quiet waters. That is a path. He says he leads us around right paths. He said, sometimes it may go through a dark valley. It is not a bumpy ride. But notice this. Not only does it guarantee us our destination, we are chaperoned with God's goodness and his love. Surely. Surely means it's not a principle. It is a promise. Surely your goodness and your love and mercy shall what? Listen, don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your vision. Don't give up. The road may be rough, but don't build your life around obstacles. It may need some adjustment. It may not be fully attainable, but don't give up. Why? Because God hasn't given up on you. And God's plan is sure to bring you to that destination. So even if you pack this one aside, even if you've received the critique that this is not the right way, Get yourself motivated by the fact that God keeps moving you. He says in Romans 8, 29, I will bring you to destination to be conformed to the image of Christ. But the way you can know that will happen is that all things will work together for your good. Because you are called according to God's purpose. And in his plans in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, he says, I know the plans I have for you. To prosper you and to bring you to an expected end and to give you a good hope. Guys, you are going to distinguish yourself in the way you work. Don't just plan because, I don't just have a vision and plan because somebody just trying to motivate you. Do so because that makes you like the God that you serve. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church Love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.